Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson out in Phoenix. He's Andre Fernandez down in Miami. Dre, how are you? Doing better than the Marlins are. That's for sure. I mean, but not just in the win and loss column, but even off the field, as we've seen, you know, three of their players drop under uh, undisclosed circumstances, but we pretty much know, can pretty much tell what that kind of means. And which, which sucks because, you know, you, and in general, we keep hoping not to see this in sports, but, you know, they hopefully they're, you know, hopefully it's nothing too serious and they're, and they're dealing with it. Okay. And, and they can get over it soon, but, you know, flashes of 2020, unfortunately, you know, with way, yeah, I see your face. And I remember those days when you were out on the front lines, pretty much literally one of the few people that was out traveling about, you know, that wasn't fun. And so I'm sure this has given you flashbacks for sure of, of seeing team MLB teams and other teams dealing with this. Yeah, no, I, the first, when the first person, when Brian Anderson on Friday got put on the IL for quote unquote undisclosed reasons, I went, okay, I'm on the road, I'm covering this team and it's happening again. Then yeah. John Murdy on Saturday, then Richard Blyer on Sunday. And I'm just at the point where as they continue the West Coast swing, again, that was all in San Diego. They start their series in Arizona against the Diamondbacks. Again, we're recording this on Monday, so they haven't started their series yet. But we're at the point where three guys in three days heading into their series in Arizona. And just reading between the lines, we all know what it is. It's COVID-related. doesn't necessarily mean positive test, but three players were put on the injured list for something having to do with COVID-19, whether it's a positive test, close contact, or just symptoms, which means they could come off the IL at any given point once – they're cleared, which for just to give the background with how things have evolved since 2020, uh, players who are vaccinated just need to get to the point where they're under the threshold of contagiousness. If they're not contagious and you're vaccinated, you're able to get cleared. If you're not vaccinated, I believe it's you have to wait at least a few days. I think it's four or five. I don't remember the exact numbers. But after that, then you have to produce consecutive negative PCR tests, just like back in the day from two years ago. And... Mm -hmm. Just again, the reading between the lines part of it, when the Marlins filled those empty spots on the active roster, they got to the point where they added two new contracts. They took the contracts of Joe Dunand and Eric Gonzalez from AAA. They only had one open 40-man spot. So you have 41 guys for 40 spots unless at least one guy is on the COVID IL because the COVID IL, just like the 60-day IL, players don't count on toward the 40-man roster if you're – while they're on the COVID IL. So you have just that logic part of it, reading between the lines, even if the team isn't directly saying it. I tried to nudge manager Don Mattingly, I think at least two or three different times over Saturday and Sunday. And his response was simply, uh, we're going to pay attention to it. Didn't want to dive into too much detail. And the interesting one, when he explained to Joe Dunan Saturday about the potential call-ups, it was more along the lines of, hey, get ready to play. I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but some stuff's going down. Stuff being that key word. <laughs> and when I followed up with him and going, so stuff. I'm sure he used the word stuff. I'm sure he used the word stuff. Let's just go yeah. with that. Yeah. So when when the phrasing, when I followed up with him going, so this stuff and right. the fact that you've gone through this over or the league and just the world in general gone through what has been going through the last few years. 
he fought his follow-up reply was you want to be through with it but we don't seem to be able to get past it it keeps rearing its ugly little head so again without saying the word he right. more or less he more or less gave yeah. what the reasoning was right there it's in it which must not be named territory for all you harry potter fans out there but yes we know we pretty much can can tell i mean but again I, hopefully it's nothing major hopefully that's you don't keep seeing more and more of them having to be you know knocked out of action for a while but um but even even with that this team in it, it, just when you thought that street you thought it was going to be like a streaky type of thing where you know they went seven in a row lost six in a row and now maybe they started to climb back on the upswing and then the disaster hits on on sunday afternoon which you know some would call poetic justice uh, if you're a certain former catcher uh, that used to play in Miami. But, but yeah, I mean, we were going to dive into that, you know, bullpen again, the, the mixing and matching, it just shows you that, you know, at some point you'd like them to have some stability at that closer spot because that, that guessing that not guessing, but like that, the strategic, you know, placement of some guys here, some trying some here, some there, it's, it's just not working out. Yeah, no, it works until it doesn't. And until it doesn't. You saw, yeah, right. you saw on the seven-game win streak when they had, I think it was four guys get at least one save, but it's also the matter of just figuring out mentally for relievers. If When you have the guys who are in the set roles, and it's like this guy, guy A knows he's pitching the seven, guy B knows he's pitching the eighth, guy C knows he's pitching the ninth, at least give them when they see the team in a close game with a one, two, three run lead, they more or less have the idea of when they're going in. But then when you go with how the Marlins are doing it now, you look at, say, Anthony Bender again. He's been the main guy going in the ninth. And then Don Mattingly throws him out there in the sixth on Sunday. And you're starting to look at it and it's like, okay, how are the peaks going to be following? How are a guy like Cole Solster, who's only pitched the ninth once, or pitched the ninth in a safe situation, I should say. And he's probably trying yeah. to figure out, okay, when am I going in here? When do I need to start mentally getting prepared? And then just trying to figure out that balance of guys figuring out when they're going to go out there, what they need to do, just what situation they're going to be presented with. And if you don't know it on a more or less regular basis, that can mentally have some impact there. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's always been with the closer role. I mean, the mental part, because there's something there. There's the big thing to be said about having someone that knows how to handle the elements, especially on the road when it gets a little crazy and the momentum is going and, you know, the home fans are going nuts or, you know, or you're in Atlanta on the Tomahawk chop, you know, you name it, whatever, wherever you're at, you got, it, there's something to be said about having the guy that every day knows this is up to me and can handle it, you know? And even if it's not, you're, even if you're not talking about, a proven all-star caliber closer, but at least someone that consistently can handle that role. And they haven't had that because the one guy they hope for is hurt. And until they, and the, what worries me for them, the true disaster would be if Floro does come back and then he's not effective because that's the guy that you is as close as you would think to be that type of type of guy to handle the role. And if that's bad, then what do you do? You know what I mean? Then at that point, it's like you're you're done to you're you have to play the the mix and match game. And obviously that's not something in the long run 
that that probably that's that's reliable. It's proving not to be reliable in the long run. I mean, I mean, even Bender was good for a little bit, and then it blew up. I was there when it blew up on him against this Diamondbacks team that they're facing again this week. I mean, it's costing them a lot of wins. This is a team that, at the very least, was kind of you know staying in the staying in the pack, not you know if not falling out of it, hovering around the 500 mark. And it's only and it's still early, but at some point the going up, it's what's going to knock you out of the race way earlier than you were hoping. Yeah, and to touch on Dylan Floro, he his last outing in AAA, he went two innings on Friday. Uh, when I asked Mattingly about it on Sunday, he said that the Marlins have the organization has liked how he's bounced back from each of his outings out there in AAA, and right now it seems like a matter of time before he gets activated again, which. Again, as you mentioned, it would be good to see at least where he stands at this point and whether the Marlins go straight yeah. to him being the ninth inning guy or if they find ways to weave him in in some of the setup roles before putting him back out there, just make sure he gets his feet wet again. That's another yeah. development. And, 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 see how they and let's be clear. Let's be clear because it's not, you know, Floral could come in and, yeah, he could blow a save here, a save there. But if you trade one or two of those for every, I don't know, five, six that maybe he does – it's someone to just consistently be able to have that high percentage of, of closing them out. Not this guessy, not, not this, you know, roll of the dice that we're doing right now. I mean, I know they're not, it's not that willy nilly, but you know what I mean? Like it's not that guy that you go in and you know, okay, that's our ninth inning guy barring something like that's where they have to get to. And, and really, I mean, again, it's, uh, it's early, but if that keeps piling on, I know Mattingly's Mr. Even keel and that's great, but, it is a little demoralizing for a team if it just continues to happen over and over at some point, you know, later in the season. If you really are, if you really do, especially when you really do feel that you have a squad that's good enough to at least be in contention or in the conversation, which they've shown some elements of that. We're not getting too carried away yet, but this team is, you can tell, has elements that they are better than before. And it would be kind of, it would be frustrating to not see the full potential of it because you know you just can't you know you just can't close out a game yeah and especially again as you mentioned they're staying attention six of their seven losses over this last they've lost seven or last eight six of those seven them one run games by one run with yeah. two of them being losses that were blown by the bullpen as you mentioned the bender start and then what happened on sunday when Jorge alfaro got the pinch hit walk off three run home run and i'll just say this i'm happy for alfaro I'm happy that he got his moment, which again, and also when I was in the press box and the second I see Alfaro step up to the plate, I looked to Christina DiNicola of MarlinsMLB.com right here and went, yeah, they just lost for two reasons. One, Alfaro just, he has a knack for playing well against his former team. You saw it when he was with Miami, how he was always dominant against the Phillies. Yeah. And also he has the knack for the walk-off. So when you have both yeah. of those factors put together it was just like okay yeah. that thing okay, clicks in your brain like this is going to write itself yeah. yeah yeah of course i mean and that's the kind of thing that just always happens seems to always happen to the marlins like you know in the grand scheme in the long term you take a step back all everything that's happened letting him go and all that probably the right for, call for everybody but of course that one day that one situation it that seems to just, of course it would happen to them. It's just like, it, it seems to always happen. They seem to be one of those, it, it happens to different teams in sports, but they're one of those. It seems like they're one of those franchises that little things like that, where it just bites them that one time. 
seems to happen a, a lot. So, not surprised. <laughs> and what's up with the hair? I mean, they, he like he let it out. He colored it. What was that about? Yeah, no. Again, the Padres apparently they've been referencing him as Aquaman to go off with the the new version of it with Jason. Yeah, kind of did. It works. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, if he keeps walking off for them, I mean, why not yeah. keep it? Yeah, as he would say every time the us, SOA, SOA, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you yeah. Get the, if he's going to go up like Jason Momoa and, and look and, and knock it out of the park, go for it. Yeah. Every and time. No, definitely. So. It's worked for him. And again, he's not an everyday, yeah. everyday guy in the lineup, but he's able to produce in the spots he comes in. And it works out for him, and it gives him a chance to jumpstart what the Marlins were hoping to see from him. If it jumpstarts himself individually for his career, I'm happy for the dude. Again, I know right. it didn't pan out in Miami, but being around him for the three years, he was a good guy to interact with. He was always willing. He was willing to talk. He was open. He opened up a lot more in that 2021 year after getting bent in the playoffs for Chad Wallace when he basically took that as a wake up call and. You saw the effort in there. You saw the the want to in there, even if, though it didn't pan out. And those are the type of guys you root for, even if it doesn't pan out. Those are the guys that you want to see be successful, even if it yeah. ends up being successful away from away from the team. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Looking at another guy who knocked it out of the park quite literally and made some national news. Got you some more uh, views on your on your stuff this weekend, which I which I'd mentioned to you. I knew it was going to happen because it happened to me when I wrote about him back in the uh, a few years ago, back in the day, like four years ago is that long. But yeah, in Jupiter, um, Joe Dunan, Joe Dunan gets the call because of everything going on with the team right now, but makes the best of it. And then you know his uncle. Right there, have throw you know, the whole family throwing a party, watching him, you know, they go, shouting it up, even cussing a little bit. It's like you got that video up on your story. I mean, what what was it like seeing? Well, you talked to him after. What, what was what was Joe saying afterward after his big debut? Yeah. So when I asked him first off about the home run in his first at bat, his response was, "Yeah, I think I blacked out until I was rounding second base, and then it was like, oh, this actually did happen." And then for him to follow up with a double, and not only that, he was really good defensively at third base as well. It was was an all-around great moment for him, even if the circumstances for him getting called up weren't ideal. It was a solid solid day for him, and for the time being, he's going to be with the club. And to go back to his uncle, which, again, I guess we have to explicitly mention is Alex Rodriguez, uh, him watching – No. 
<laughs> he posted a video of himself watching it and watching the home run. And when he said, you got to be horse bleeping me. And my immediate yeah. response to Mr. Editor on the other side of this video was, how exactly do I write that to make sure it gets in the story? And Mr. Mr. Kendall got excited, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Again, in the hood called Kendall, is that what, is that how he called it? That's right. Mr. Kendall got excited. Why not? Yeah. No, but overall, it was a really good moment for Joe. And again, it sparked their one win that they've had through this eight game run at this point. He got the home run, got him on the board. He had the double that got, got him on second. And then Garrett Cooper drove to win, drove to win a couple batters later. It gave yeah. them that spark that they needed and what looked like it was carrying over into Sunday as well up until that final of that. Well, that's the, the, the part that, too, like in all seriousness now, I mean, we've seen these, you know, blips, like nice moments for guys before. I mean, hate to, you know, to bring to bring one up. I mean, one I thought of, too, immediately was was Eson. Yeah. And then now he's not even with the front with the team anymore. But like in Joe's case hard to crack through on a long-term right now with what they have, even though this team is all about versatile guys and they're deep, they're kind of deep at that on that side of the infield, but it makes you wonder if it's something, at least like a building block for him going forward where maybe now it's like, okay, now we have another backup option there for now that maybe we can turn to if, if he's consistent, if he builds off of this, obviously it's just a couple of days. Let's see how he does the next couple until guys get back, but you know, good for him. I mean, again, where where it was sort of trending the last couple of years, you kind of just wondered if he'd even get a taste of the majors. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't a lock. It wasn't a guaranteed thing. So when the other day the news came out that he was getting the calls like, oh, cool. At least, you know, we got to see the moment where where he gets at least a, a chance to get a few hacks and makes the best of it. Yeah, and to go off of that, he really had some struggles the last couple of years. Uh, obviously him just like everyone else in the minors with no minor league season in 2020 comes off of that with a really strong performance in winter ball gets the invite into spring training impresses the staff a lot in that spring before 2021 and then a few games in injuries got had a hand injury that that he had to stay out for two months and just that entire season at that point i think he had a, he had below 200 at that point in the 2021 yeah. season so he had to really refine himself after the rehab process, the trying to figure out if things are going to be able to pan out at some point, and then got off to a pretty good start this year. And with the Marlins being in the situation they were, they brought him on onto the West Coast trip for the taxi squad. And again, the moment came. But one thing that's going to be interesting is, again, once all three of these guys come back, they're going to have to make a move to cut the 40-man down to 40, whether it's DFAing, Dunan or Eric Gonzalez or moving one of their guys who's on the 10-day aisle to the 60-day. Once that 40-man becomes full again, when these three guys who are out for, again, quote-unquote, undisclosed reasons, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how the Marlins manage that with a guy who's been in their system and a veteran guy like Eric Gonzalez who could provide could be that one of those key guys that could be one of those replacements when they have either an injury or another situation like this. And, and Dunan contractually now would have to be DFA'd. He wouldn't be. No, he could be optioned and stay on the 40-man. can be optioned. But the thing okay. is, if you take someone off the 40-man, you have to DFA him. Oh, sorry. right, right. Yeah. That's right, because but, he's not but one. Is, right. But Dunan, because this was his first time with the MLB, making his MLB debut, he has his three options. 
So when, let's just say, John Birdie or Brian Anderson, if one of them comes back, they could option Dunand and still be and still be fine for right now until right again. It's basically it's once all three guys are back when they're going to have to determine right. who's the one. That's guy. what I was thinking. There's a I figured there was probably a way where they didn't have to cut him loose. I mean, who knows? Odds are he'd probably just circle back and they'd be able to get him back anyway. But the safer route where you don't have to put him out there, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, it's again, it's going to be one of those. Tip one of those fun things of playing with numbers, figuring out the roster crunch, and yeah, and again, we'll see how that in his case. It, yeah, I just think going back, you know, to the, the, not to make too much of it, but in this case, I mean, it's almost like he earned himself a little bit more of a chance to at right. least be considered as the like somewhere in that pecking order, a little bit lower than the guys right now, but at least now he's more of an option to look at than just you know where he was before. So, so good for him. And then Pablo, just you know, he's another one. Continues just a, you know, very impressive. And again, it's not. I, I, we keep saying it. It's, it's the knock on wood. Stay, you know, stay durable type of thing because the results, you know, will at least be close to this good. I think you know if he can continue to pitch effectively. Yeah, no, eight shutout innings on Saturday. Guys, he already down to an even one, which at the time of this recording leads MLB. And the thing is with Pablo specifically, and then also when you look at what, say, Trevor was able to do on Sunday and get through five innings, when you're able – the starting pitching, and this is going to circle back to the bullpen stuff, the starting pitching is going is basically is basically playing a role in how the Marlins set up their bullpen. If the starting pitching is able to – go deep like he did during that seven game win streak, then there's a little more leniency, a little bit more, a little less decision-making has to be made with the bullpen. But when you go through what they did in the six game losing streak, where I think it was a nine or not, or just above a nine ERA from the starting staff. And I don't, I think only one person went longer than five innings. That's when you start getting in trouble and you have to start putting guys where you may not necessarily want to put them. And then if you do come back, it's sort of a, well, we use the guy we may have wanted to use later. How are we going to solve this? And it's so it's with the Marlins, with me, the Marlins needing to figure out how their strength can also help them help them figure out the bullpen and make things easier while they're still in this mix and match mode. I mean, it, but encouraging to see what, what Rogers was able to do because he's been one of the two that, you know, the results haven't been that great so far. And, you you worry a little more about that Eliezer spot, I guess, yeah. in terms of you know the the hot hot and cold that he's been going through. Maybe a little more a little more cold and hot, but I mean, we'll, I know we're going to talk a little more minors later on, but it kind of you know it kind of makes you wonder where you know where Edward Cabrera is coming, you know, and we'll get into more of that later. But you know, if he's healthy enough. It's almost like he could slip right into that one of those spots there, you know, and just and just bolster that and just help that entire situation that you're talking about. You know, I mean, Max Meyer, we don't know. You don't know when we don't want to rush too much and we don't know how they're going to do it. I mean, whether it's as a starter or maybe is he a bullpen guy down option, maybe uh, or at least try him out there at the, at the beginning type of thing down the road. But Cabrera, for sure, would be a guy that as soon as he could finally, you know, is able to go would, would be that. Yeah, and I guess since we're already here, let's just go straight into the minor league talk here. 
uh, Edward Cabrera. To, I accelerated things. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. No, it's good. No, it, honestly, it was a good segue to get into. It was this. F1 weekend. Everything, everyone's going fast. Why not? Yeah, what a race though. I got to see a little bit. I got to catch a little bit of it while I was watching the Marlins game last night. It was seemed like everything worked out there down down at old down at old Miami Gardens. I was able to see Max, uh, you know, in person up close the uh, the other day when they were at the when they were at the ballpark, and you know, he has that. He has that rep of being the bad guy, you know, on on the circuit. So I mean, hey, it looks like, you know, it's hard to go wire to wire in any of these races, whether it's yeah. that NASCAR, you name it. So that's that was impressive. Yeah, but now back to baseball with Edward Cabrera specifically. Yeah. The one thing that he has the benefit of that Max stay a Max Meyer doesn't, he's on the forty man. That Max. So that gives you the easier route to bring him up without having to sacrifice somebody else, which again, they're already going to have to sacrifice at least one other guy when you, when they go back to having all three of these guys who are out for undisclosed reasons. I'm just going to keep saying that as many times as I can, if you haven't already noticed on this episode, Uh, but with Edward, Edward Cabrera, again, he's. And you can wink now because now that that we have the video component, you just be like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. There we go. Uh, but yeah, but yeah. again, he missed some time with the bicep muscle fatigue, made yeah. his first start uh, on April 27th in Jupiter, and then he's made two since then with Jackson with AAA Jacksonville. His last outing, five shutout innings, six strikeouts, and he had two different situations or three different situations where he's had runners in scoring position and one out in that game and got all the outs he needed, 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. The main thing for the Marlins at this point, and it was one of the questions I posed to general manager Kim Eng last week, was is there a timetable? What's the plan for his progression? And her response was he's still getting his sea legs under him. It's going to take him a little bit more time, but he's starting to look like himself again, which is the good thing. But again, it's a matter of are the Marlins going to rush him after dealing with an injury, after having the track record of injuries that we established and talked about over the last few years. It's that balance of, okay, when do we need him? And when is he going to be ready? It's finding, it's towing that line of, it's just towing that line. That's going to be the interesting part about when they do it. And also, as I mentioned to Andre, before we did the podcast, when I wrote my minor league recap for this week, they're at the point where it, things could line up where Sixto does end up being in, being able to line up in that in that number four spot in the rotation that Eliezer's holding over right now. So it's not necessarily like they're going to have to do an extended stretch where he either doesn't start and then doesn't start for seven, eight, nine days and then gets called up. Or it's basically a thing where he may have to, he may get one extra day of rest and still slot in perfectly fine. So that also helped in right. that front. Absolutely. I mean, it's still handle with care type of thing. And I think that it's just going to come down to, I think, the performance of guys like Elias or, you know, and they have obviously, I think, bigger problems we know than the rotation you know, with, the, with the bullpen situation and, you know, the still lack of overall clutch hitting when they need it in a lot of these games. So, I mean – you know, I, I think the important thing is to still kind of keep in mind the the, the long term picture here, and, and not, and you know, and not rush a guy that unfortunately has had multiple setbacks. You know, and you don't want to have him push, you know, push too hard, and then have another one, and then there goes that window. So, 
you know, better better late than never. Get them in when they're absolutely sure, and 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 then let's see, and then let's see if he can, you know, take off from there. Not just a plug in spot. Like this right. is a guy they've been counting on to really be a, a mainstay piece in that rotation for a while. So, so that let's hope that they 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 figured it out for at the moment where that can take off, and it's not just a you know just a plug in a spot in the rotation. Yeah, no, and it's with guys like Edward Cabrera, guys with Max Meyer, like Max Meyer, guys like Sixto Sanchez, if he ever gets beyond 60 feet, that when you call them up, you want them to stay up. You don't want them to come up, have one or two outings, and then go, well, have fun back at AAA. They want to make it so that when they're there, they are there, and there's no debating whether or not you're going to have to send them back down. Only laughing because the next time you talk to one of their uh, one of the sports guy, one of the guys over there with the Marlins, just ask him, "Has Sixto's taken taken one step back yet?" I feel like he's been stuck in place for like a month or two. Like, has he backed up a little? Yeah, yeah, yeah just no, a little. Let's take like one step back. Yeah, we'll no, walk or throw. No, yeah. and that's one of the frustrating things is they saw what they were able to have out of him in 2020, and then ever yeah. since then it's been. It's very been phenomenal. playing waiting with them. It was, it was, you know, phenom. And you looked at it like it could be another, it could be huge going forward if at the time. And yeah, here we are over a year and a half more later. And yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. It's really, it really sucks because it's when you look, even when you look back just a big picture on that trade, he was the key piece, really. And now, you know, Alfaro didn't work out. And now Sixto is on the end, on the other side of that argument where that hasn't worked out so far in the grand scheme other than that one bit in the shortened season. But you're looking at the long-term view, and it's a big question mark. So, yeah, it's unfortunate because, again, just like Edward, he was right there as being, well, more so even before, as being like a guy you looked at as, I mean, he was their top prospect. He was the one they thought was going to be right at the top of that rotation, potentially, you know, either him or Sandy spearheading it down the road and now they'll be just happy if he even pitches again in the major league soon because you know at some point hopefully he gets back on track that shoulder shoulders it's all it's i'm telling you it's tommy john is tommy john but shoulders are bad too when 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 they get messed up and that's that's unfortunate to see when that wow it's happened to him yeah it's again it's tough to see and We'll hopefully have some more updates later on uh, to round up some other pitching updates. Uh, since we talked about Max Meyer, his last latest outing on Friday, two runs, one earned on three hits and three walks while striking out six over five, five innings. He's six starts in and with a one seven, two ERA opponents hitting one fifty nine against him in triple a walks, hits per innings pitch is 0.86. Uh, Brian Hoeing, who again has been one of those fast risers this year. Made his AAA debut on Saturday. The one, the big thing for me was he went seven innings. And again, that's been yeah. one of the things that we've been trying to see with some of these other guys is getting deep in the games. He gave up four runs on four hits. Two of those, it was a pair of solo home runs in the first and the third, and then got himself into a big jam in the sixth where four consecutive guys reached base, one out, back-to-back walks with one out, and then back-to-back singles. But – he was able to get out of that and then pitch another inning and have and get a clean seventh to finish it off on a high note. So again, seeing some positive strikes, he struck out seven as well in that out in in that outing. So again, he's another guy who's been 
slowly working his way through the ranks here. And again, he got moved into Marlins top 30 prospect list by pipeline and he's making his case at this point. And then last guy, the pitching side, Zach McCambly uh, in double A first four starts to say the least were not great. He was about a nine something ERA uh, put his first quality out, put together his first quality outing of the season uh, six innings, two hits, one run, one walk, eight strikeouts. Both of those hits came in the first inning. He then retired, I believe it was 15 of the final 16 guys that he faced. So that was a good outing. And again, it's just now it's a matter of can he can can he build off of it? Or is he going to revert back to what, what, he, what he did the first three, four starts of the season? Right. Yeah, with a lot of guys, that's always the case, especially right now at this point in their career. We've talked about it plenty that it's – it's the process of it. You know, it's can they not so much the results, but can they handle what can they pick up from each of those successful outings, continuing to refine everything, continuing to handle different situations and game situations, too, because I go back to the way we I was like, you know, saying it over and over when we were talking during the pandemic and they had no everything was just on the backfields. You know, the game experience when you have to really do the whole chess match against the hitter, that sort of thing is there's no substitute for that, you know, and that, that helps all of these guys right now. And that's where a lot of them lost that time. And it's good that they're consistently getting it again now. Yeah. And then to switch over to the position players side, could we finally be seeing what the Marlins were hoping to have been seeing for a while now from JJ Bleday? It's again, knock on wood. Knock on wood part, right? <laughs> yeah. No, again, he's, but he had a nine-game hit streak that ended on Sunday, but in that stretch, 424, 14 for 33, four home runs, three doubles, 10 RBI, eight walks against just seven strikeouts, 12 runs scored. That's good. Yeah. Uh, again, the walk-to-strikeout thing, I know that's your thing. Yeah. yeah. No, no, it, it, because you're seeing the ball better. You're not, you know, it, it's not everything, but it, it's 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 key. It, it's very yeah, I always that's one stat that jumps out at me always, especially the ratio when it's like that. Yeah, and that's good. That's good. Yeah, I'm glad. I mean, I wish I could see his swing more and see how that just the mechanics of it and how that's looking too. But positive signs. Yeah, so it bumped his batting average again. He was at a point where he was barely around 150. His batting average is now up to 240 after that nine game stretch, and just about half of his hits gone for extra bases: five doubles and six home runs, eleven of his 24 hits. Well, that's where, yeah, again, the power tool showing, and that's, you know, that's the stuff they liked and to begin with when they scouted him, you know, at Vanderbilt and everything. I mean, you knew he was going to bring that if he could make contact consistently, and that's why it goes back to the, the low strikeout number because if he's making consistently more contact, odds are you're going to get naturally, you're going to get more of that. And that's, that's good to see the tools finally playing through a little more consistently than they have been for him. Yep. And to wrap up the show today, a lot of stuff's going to be happening this weekend at the ballpark. Uh, Marlins, when they host the Brewers, they're going to be celebrating the 90, 1997 World Series champions. Dre, do you have your bobblehead with you? People are going to remember when this happened. There we go. I'm doing, I'm putting him back like this because that's the way everybody remembers that picture. I'm there jumping. I mean, if anyone wants to say hi to council, they can say that way. You're going to say hi to the real council, not this council. Yeah. On, on Friday night, even though he's not going to be wearing this, unfortunately, he's going to be wearing the other, you know, maybe the Brewer pinstripes, but yeah. good old council, arms raised. I can't believe it's been 25 years. 
Yeah. Oh, so the Marlins with the Brewers in town and council managing the Brewers, the Marlins are the entire weekend, Friday through Sunday, are going to be doing a bunch of celebrations. They have a lot of guys who are going to be there from 917. Jim Leland's going to be there, Kurt Abbott, Tony Alfonseca, Gary Sheffield, which both of us were excited to see when we got that name on the release. That's the one. Yes. That's the one that I was like, if they get Sheffield, that'd be pretty cool. And there you go. He was the last name on your list. And I was like, oh, there he is. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, they sent it to us alphabetically, so or for anticipation, whichever way you want to oh, look okay. at it. Oh, okay, I didn't even yeah. notice that. Part. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah. That's good. Away. I'm glad they yeah. did because it put him as like if you're on the suspense as you're looking down, like, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, and then you've got Cliff Floyd, Levon Hernandez, World Series MVP Cliffy. from '97, Charles Johnson, Edgar Renteria. Yeah, yeah. Going to be getting a lot of the guys there. The main ceremony is Saturday when they'll do a lot of stuff pregame. And also on yep. Saturday, for those of you interested, birthday 8,000 fans to the ballpark receive a 1997 World Series replica ring. So to have that oh, yeah. there's a, from the ceremony. There, there's a member of this household, not me, that already got her ticket for Saturday. There you go. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and then yeah. the other thing is the ballpark. <laughs> uh, Friday, the Marlins are Mar – for Marlins – for fans who have been Marlins members since the 1997 season are going to get an exclusive pregame reception, which includes photo opportunity. And also on Sunday, members of the 97 World Series championship team will take the field for a special softball game before the Marlins game begins that afternoon. Oh, boy. That's going to be fun. Get off on Seca going against somebody. Yep. And then, and, then, and then during the game, a bunch of the – 97 alumni are going to be around the ballpark taking pictures. So you'll have your chance again. Yeah. Guys are going to be around throughout that's all weekend. So that's cool. It's going to be a fun weekend. Also, excited to talk to council on Friday when Brewers get into town. Just for him to reminisce about what about that moment. And again, like you said, hard to leave in 25 years. Granted, and again, I'm about to do the make Andre feel old moment. I was a month away from turning three when that happened. <laughs> throwing the cap in the air i had just graduated high school so there you go there we go <laughs> to give you the to give you the perspective there it's the 25 year anniversary of my high school graduation from champagnat that same year so actually one cool thing about when marlins have won the titles my birthday is on october 26th it has always landed on either that day or the day after. The, the two times it landed either that day or the day after. So that was always a cool birthday present to see when they when they won the championships at, at both times. So, yep. But, yes. Then, yep. Yeah, so should be a fun time this weekend, but Marlins have to get through Arizona first. And with that, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Fish Bites. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll be back again next week. <laughs>